0: Hi, welcome to the Pool Guy Podcast Show. In this episode, I'm going to talk to you about pool service, pool professionals, and when the law is involved. And this is something that could happen to you, it's happened to many, and there are a lot of things that kind of cross over into the legal realm. And I'll go over some of these for you here today in this podcast. Pool Service Pro. Open a Leslie's Wholesale account today and receive wholesale pricing on products you use every day. Leslie's Pool Supply offers convenient locations that are open seven days a week. Another great benefit of opening a Leslie's Wholesale account is Leslie's Referral Program. Get referred to a customer looking for weekly pool service. Save time and money and grow your pool service route and become a Leslie's Pro. One thing that you should know when you do pool service, and I know this mainly because of my run ins with various people from the city, but in most cases, in most cities, the code enforcement has the same authority as a peace officer or police officer, and you have to be really careful when you deal with the code enforcement in any city. They have the right to walk into the backyard of a customer's home. Believe it or not, you know, this is something that I was at one of my stops one time, and there was someone doing a they were reglazing their counters. They have a lot of, they had a lot of counters in the backyard. That had some glaze on it they were taking it off power washing it off and it was like a built-in barbecue patio area and the code enforcement person walked back there I was cleaning the pool at the time and they said hey what's all this stuff going into the street and then they were you know talking to the people that were power washing the glaze off the counter and they were writing them a ticket for a violation of you know chemicals going into the street the guy was pretty livid the contractor. And from my experience, I know that he was actually arguing with, you know, technically arguing with a police officer at that point. And it was really ugly, but they walked in the backyard and a homeowner came out and they said, you know, you have no right to walk in the backyard. And they said they had jurisdiction over anything in the city. It was a big mess. And this could happen to you as well, because one of the biggest thing they look for is stuff going into the street or the drains. And one of the things in my area in particular that the code enforcement is keeping an eye out, or there's actually two things in particular. One is draining a pool into the street, especially if it's green, and the other one is getting diatomaceous earth into the drains or the sewer system. And believe it or not, both of these instances can get you a big fine with the city. In fact, draining a green pool and getting diatomaceous earth on some jurisdictions, in some areas, can be as high as $10,000. And it's one of those things where You know, you are doing your job. You're trying to do everything you're supposed to do. And you may not even know that this rules on the books until they come there and enforce it. And of course, this varies by state, region, city. But in California, in my county, Los Angeles County, in most of the cities, you cannot get diatomaceous earth into the street. And this water goes into the storm drain system. And I'll read you the exact wording from Los Angeles County. So says, Los Angeles County Flood Control District. Ordinance prohibits the discharge of any material into a storm drain that will impair the quality of the water flowing therein. This would include the dumping of gray water and other household wastewater into the street where it will eventually flow into the storm drain. Additionally, Los Angeles County Plumbing Code specifically prohibits the discharge of gray water into any storm drain and it gives you a place where you can report it. And believe me, people will call in if there's a lot of water running down the street and there's, if there's diatomaceous earth in the street, people just don't like it. And they'll call the city right away, and they'll get code enforcement out there. And I was cleaning a filter one time. It was on a hill, and, you know, some of the DE probably ran down the street. But I was at the top of the hill. And then I saw the code enforcement officer driving around looking for the source. And luckily, they didn't spot me or see me. You know, I kind of dodged a bullet there. But, you know, I knew that probably a neighbor called. And, you know, it's a big no-no in California, at least, to have that happen. I know parts of Texas also, they don't like you draining stuff into the the uh, sewer because or, or into the street, I should say, because I had a person in Houston that was cited by the code enforcement for draining a pool into the street. So again, check with your local city, but bottom line, I think, is to try to be as careful as you can and get nothing into the, the street that's coming from the customer's pool. Sometimes it's unavoidable, but a lot of times you can prevent it. And when I do my D filters, I'll usually wash them off into the grass the diatomaceous earth doesn't really have any effect on the grass and so what I'll do is I'll take the D filter and I'll hose off the grids just into a grassy area so that I know nothing's going to run off into the street and that's kind of the safest way to do that if you're draining a green pool it's actually illegal in my city to do that so you have to turn it back to blue first and then they don't want you draining it into the street you should drain it into a sewer line directly how do you find the sewer line? Usually you can find it, it's by the kitchen area in the backyard. Sometimes it's in the garage itself, there's a cap on there. You should be able to find the sewer line. The customer should know where the sewer drain line is on their property. And if they can't find it, then you're just gonna have to search around for it. And sometimes you, sometimes it's buried under the bushes, but you should be draining it directly into the sewer so you're not draining any kind of green pool or blue pool into the street in your city. One thing that's happening here also, and this is because there was a pool pro in Hemet, California, where he was storing chemicals and it caused a major chemical explosion or fire. They had to evacuate the neighborhood. It was in the news about a year or so ago. It was a big thing that happened. So a lot of times they want you, if you have a business, to get a permit to store stuff on your property. And they're running into this problem in some counties where they're actually looking over the fence to see you know, what you're storing there and checking if you're a pool pro and you have like, you know, 10 cases of acid and 10 cases of chlorine stored back there, you could get in trouble. And, and so even in my city, they want you to have a, if you have a business license and you have a business working out of your house, they want you to have a permit or they want to inspect where you store everything. Now it's kind of like big brother and they're kind of watching everyone now because of this particular incident that happened. But some people just don't store things properly. I understand that. I don't really think the government should be getting involved, but that's just me, and the city shouldn't be getting involved. But that may be something you run into in your city. If you're running your business out of your house, they may really enforce that, and they may prevent you from storing anything on your property. So you're going to have to get a separate place to store your chemicals. And if you live in an HOA community, and you park your work truck in front, you may run into problems because some of them have restrictions on Running a business out of your house. Now, this is specifically for someone like doing haircutting or maybe tax returns and they're coming to your house all the time. But there may be restrictions on storing a trailer in your front yard with chemicals in it, or even your work vehicle. If it's a certain size vehicle, there may be restrictions in HOA. So just be really aware when you're buying a house, if you're gonna move into a community or an HOA, which I really would recommend against. Ever moving into an HOA community. I'm in one right now. I'm actually the president of mine. There's a lot of crazy people, you know, all over the place, but they seem to kind of gravitate towards communities with an HOA. And I would say if you're running a business or pool service, get a house outside somewhere where there's no one watching over you and, you know, where the community can't get involved and stop you from doing your business. And for sure, you know, make sure you check with your local city about storing stuff, and you may have someone looking over your wall and maybe put it somewhere where no one can see it, you know, basically to stay out of trouble. But you just want to store everything properly and you want to make sure you're not going to be sighted. Another problem you have also, and this is a very common problem in my area, we have to get multiple licenses in different cities for permits so you can actually drive your truck into the city and work there. There's many cities in the San Gabriel Valley where they require you to have a permit in order to park on the street work in that city so check of course with each city you want to have your license in one city and you may want to just get a permit in other cities but this is something that you may need to get you'll have a little sticker on your truck designating that you can actually work in that city and this can be something that the code enforcement will enforce and the fines can be pretty hefty if you're working in a city without the right permit or license from that city and it's one of those things where they're just trying to eliminate you know, any problems in the city with people coming in and soliciting work or doing work that's not under a contractor. And by the way, you may run into this problem also, you know, in California, you're allowed to do work up to $500 without a contractor's license or a license. The pool, the pool equipment is a gray area because that law applies to something attached to the house. And they look at the pool equipment sometimes as something that's not really part of the house. But in a lot of cases, if you're not a contractor and you can buy, you know, pumps, motors, plumbing material from your supplier without showing any kind of license, which is kind of weird because if you are like an HVAC person, you can't really shop there unless you have your licensing properly in place. And in California, there's something called a D-35, and I recommend getting that if you're going to do some major repairs. You can do everything except build a pool with a D-35, You can just look online and and search for, you know, D35 license, and there's a lot of courses you can take to get your D35, and it's, it's a pretty easy process, and I recommend doing that. Another thing that you can get in trouble with also is if you are doing commercial pools and you're not properly certified. Now, here in Los Angeles County, there's another layer above other areas, and I can't speak for your county or your area, but Los Angeles County, you have to actually have a... A license through the county. You have to take their course to get the permit or the health license to service commercial pools. So a lot of times you can get away with just using the CPO certification. And by the way, to do commercial pools in most areas, the CPO certification, certified pool operator, is all they need, and they'll accept that because it's a recognized certification that you have taken a course. You know all the rules about main drains, about commercial pools, and they'll. Definitely take that in most cases. But more and more in Los Angeles County, I've noticed that a lot of pool pros are really being hassled by the county because the CPO is not being accepted by some health inspectors. They want you to be certified by the county, and so you have to take the county test, which is actually harder than the CPO test, I think, in most cases. And so you need the county certification or health permit. And then you need your CPO in a lot of other places. So definitely check with your area if you're doing commercial pools, if there is another layer that you need to get, because the last thing you want to do is have a commercial pool, have them come in there and close you down because you don't have the proper licensing. Again, the CPO certification usually is accepted by most health departments in most cities and municipalities. Now, you probably see this all the time, and I see it all the time, is where there's a pool pro, they have their service cart or Riptide or Hammerhead, and it's blocking the license plate. Now, in my area, it's not a big deal. I've never been pulled over for that problem. Of course, I have the T-bar mount, and so I don't have that problem because you can see the plate in between any kind of vacuum system I'm carrying on my truck. But in a lot of cases, they'll actually sight you because they can't see the back license plate. A Riptide has a license plate holder where you can actually put it on, and it can go off to the side. They also have a swing-away hitch where you can actually put the Riptide on one side of your truck. But to me, the ultimate way to solve this problem is to get the T-bar mount. You get the T-bar mount from either T-Doula or Advantage Manufacturing. I think T-Doula was the creator of the T-bar mount. And this is a mount that goes into your receiver on the back of your truck. And then there's two more receivers off to the left and right. So you can put the Riptide on one side. You can put a service cart on the other. And then your license plate is clearly visible in the center of your truck. And again, I've never been pulled over when I just had my cart on the back without the T-bar mount. But some people report that they're really strict about it and they want to be able to see the back license plate. So get the T-bar mount and it's a good way to mount two service carts or just one service cart off to the side so that they can see your license plate. And here are a few things to take note of. And this is probably law across the whole country as far as removing something from someone's property. Now, California is pretty liberal here. They won't even charge you with anything unless it's $1,000 or more. But the law really stipulates that if you were to install a pump and motor and then the customer doesn't pay for it, you can't enter that property and remove that pump and motor from the equipment and confiscate it. This is, of course, breaking the law. You're, You're breaking and entering and you're stealing property, personal property, because once it's on the property and it's plumbed in, and even I think if it's not plumbed in, if like you drop it off and you go to take it out of there, this could be a problem. I ran into this. It was kind of weird. It was a customer that bought their house and they wanted to cancel service. And I was using one of my spare cleaners in the pool. So I went to go remove it and they're like, hey, hey, you can't take that. that's part of the property. And I'm like, oh, that's the company's cleaner. And he goes, do you have any proof of that? And this is when I started to really think about these spare cleaners in a little different light you know, I would drop them off with customers and I don't require any kind of contract or them signing that I put a cleaner in there. And to be honest, it was just a Hayward Navigator. It's really worthless to me. And so the customer was, was making a big deal out of me taking the cleaner out of the pool that I put in. That was my cleaner. And I just kind of just left it there and, and walked away. But I realized at that point, the gray area and the stickiness of anything that you put back there in the customer's property And it's basically their property at that point. You know, possession is nine-tenths of the law. So be really careful when you install a pump and motor, and then you think the customer is not paying you, you're going to go back in there and cut it out and repossess it. You probably will get either arrested by the police if he calls the police. Definitely, you're going to get some kind of misdemeanor. And it could be even a felony if the equipment is worth a lot of money. So if the court decides that the pump and motor is over $1,000 in California, you'll actually be charged with a felony. So anything that's put into the customer's pool, you really can't repossess and take back without, you know, running into some gray legal areas and and not sometimes not so gray, but some of it I think is kind of gray where it's like, Hey, it's your, your item at their property. But again, just be really careful with any kind of gray areas where you put something there, or if the customer didn't pay, you never repossess the equipment because you're going to get into a lot of trouble. And this is something that I know someone who did this and they got into big, big, big trouble with the local authorities. And then the last thing you want to make sure you have an order is proper insurance. Of course, you want to have general liability insurance and you can get that through the SPPA.com. The SPPA.com is definitely a great liability insurance company. This will protect you from any kind of mistakes you make out there. Or if someone accuses you of doing something you didn't do, this liability insurance will protect you. But you want to make sure you have the proper vehicle insurance. Some areas will require you to have commercial insurance, because you're doing actual work with your truck. You have chemicals. Some commercial insurance will cover spills. Now, I know that the the SPPA.com, if you go there, you're going to see that they do cover chemical spills there. But you want to make sure that in your area that you're servicing, that they're not requiring commercial insurance or if they are are requiring commercial insurance. Now, in my area, some people you talk to say, yes, you need commercial insurance. Uh, Some people say you don't. Some areas are very strict about it. Commercial insurance is a little more expensive because, of course, you're insuring your business truck. And it's also a great idea to have that if you have employees driving company trucks. But in some cases, it may not be required, but it's a good idea to have it so that you're protected. So, one thing that you should talk to your insurance agent, if you have farmers or state farm or all state, they can have a commercial insurance policy set up for you and that will protect you. One thing that you probably want to get, and this is outside the whole realm of this whole talk, is maybe an umbrella policy. If you're a business owner, or if you have, you know, anyone using your vehicles, your family members, an umbrella insurance policy will give you, you know, $2 million over for liability, what you're paying on your insurance already, what you're getting from your insurance already. So if you have auto insurance and the injury is 500000 umbrella insurance will give you another million on top of that. It's definitely worth it. It's, it's like $600 or, or so a year, but it'll protect you and give you some extended liability But then, of course, in hand in hand, you want to have general liability insurance so that if you run into any problems out there, you're covered in that realm. But it's always a good idea to have an umbrella policy also, especially in case there's an auto accident and something severe happens. You have the extra million dollars coverage. And again, check with your insurance agent. If indeed you do need commercial insurance for your vehicle, it's a little bit more expensive than your standard policy. In some cases, it's very expensive. So check with your insurance company. And make sure you have that because if you're in an accident, you don't have commercial insurance and the other party were to take action against you. That could be a big problem for you, especially if there's chemical spills and you don't have general liability insurance that will cover the chemical spill or commercial insurance that will cover the cleanup. You can get in big trouble with the city and county as well. Now that I've scared everyone straight after listening to this podcast or scared everyone to death, I think I'll end here before it gets even more depressing. But those are the things that I've noticed over the years. And some run-ins you could have with the code enforcement of the city and with the law enforcement of the city. Looking for other podcasts I recorded, you can find those on my website, swimmingpoollearning.com. Click on the podcast banner, and then a drop down menu of over thirteen hundred podcasts will appear there for you. And if you're interested in the coaching program that I offer, you can learn more at PoolGuyCoaching.com. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Have a great rest of your week and God bless. Real quick, if you're not using pool service software, try skimmer free for thirty days at get skimmer backslash pool guy again that's get skimmer backslash pool guy skimmer everything you need to run your pool service business all in one app